God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. As the circumstances of the world become more extreme and confusing, we must tune our ears to the voice of our Heavenly Father. His revelation is essential to navigate the road ahead. Welcome to Current Affairs with Sam Soul. Now in the last series, or last message, we looked at the, the parallel to Daniel chapter 3 when Nebuchadnezzar built an image of gold um, that was very impressive. The image of gold was 60 by 6, 60 cubits by 6, uh, 60 cubits tall or high by 6 cubits wide. And the purpose of this image was to consolidate the rule of Nebuchadnezzar over a very diverse kingdom. So he called all the governors and regional persons and all of the population together uh, to come and fall down and worship this beast, uh, this image with the pain of death being the penalty for not worshipping. And this of course is a story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. So we saw the purpose of the image. What then is the reason that this character makes an image of the beast? And by this character I mean uh, the lawless one. I want to step back just a moment though and show you something that um, I was trying to find it in, in, uh, and I couldn't pull it up. I thought it was in, in uh, Daniel 12, but it was in Daniel 7. And it's around verse 25 or so. Actually, it's uh, verse 24 to begin with. It says, Daniel 7, 24. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from this kingdom, the one in the same identical kingdom of Daniel 13, excuse me, of uh, Revelation 13. But then he says, and another shall arise after them. Another king shall arise after the ten. So you've got the beasts with the ten horns and another arises after them. This other, this other is different from the other ones. That's what it says. And another shall rise after them, he shall be different from the first ones and will subdue three kings. Now, this one who arises after, he is not like the first set of kings because he seems to be given uh, an access and the power to replicate the spirit of the cosmos, 
It continues on, verse 25, He'll speak pompous words against the Most High and shall persecute the saints of the Most High. He shall intend to, and this is the, the term, and shall intend to change times and laws. Then the saints shall be given to His hand for a time and times and half a time. Right? Now, we know we lose the battle. We know we lose the propaganda war. So it says that plainly. This one who comes up is different from the others and he not only speaks against the Most High, but he persecutes the Most High, those, the servants of the Most High, or he persecutes the saints. And his intent is to change boundaries, set times, set laws, so he is the man of lawlessness. It's the classic meaning of the word anomia. He's the man of lawlessness. We've chased him down already and seen that. And I just wanted to go back and reset the fact that he is the lawless one. This is the lawless one spoken of in Revelation 13 13. That horn that comes, I mean, that beast that arises out of the earth. Unlike the ten before him, who arise positionally on the beast. They arise when the beast arises. And to the extent that the beast arises, their ascent comes up at the same time. But this one comes up at a different time. And he's different in his ways, different in his perspectives. So, and hence again, I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, the one with the two horns like the lamb who speaks like the dragon. And he, this one, exercises all of the authority of the first beast. He exercises all of the authority of the cosmos, including, this is the, the thing that I wanted to show you, he was given breath, uh, he was given power to give breath to the image of the beast. And I want to center on that uh, for the next few minutes. This is the 15th verse of Revelation 13. Now we have already talked about the image that He created, the image that He created. And I've said that this is not a visible image like Nebuchadnezzar made and established this image of gold. This is a philosophical image. This is an image that is related to diverting the thinking of man from the standards of truth and creating falsehoods as the new truth. I've marveled at how truth has been personalized in recent times. I remember years ago on Oprah Winfrey, I saw a program uh, where her guest, Oprah's guest, 
was a woman named Jay-Z Knight. I think she was from New Mexico. And uh, she was supposedly a channel for this spirit whom she called Ramtha. Uh, I don't know how easy it would be to find these in the archives. You can probably find anything on YouTube today. But a woman named Jay-Z Knight who channeled, she was a medium who claims to allow uh, a spirit called Ramtha to speak through her. But she was the one who said, and I heard it for the first time. She may not have been the first one to have said this, but she was the one whom I heard for saying for the first time this expression. When challenged by Oprah um, for as to the veracity of her representation, she said, quote, well, this is my truth, my truth. It used to be that truth was not so subject to personal capture, that truth actually existed apart from any particular container of it. I remember having a conversation with a young man, um, at the time he was probably 17 or 18, and um, his father had arranged for me to speak with him because he was living with a girl and contrary to the ways he was raised and contrary to what he should have been doing objectively. Um, so I met with him and when I, while I was speaking with him, he said, well, in reference to the things I had said, he said, well, that's my truth, that's your truth. But for me, my truth is, I looked, <laughs> I looked at him and I said, you're not old enough to have an opinion about what the truth is. I said, essentially you just want to sleep with your girlfriend and you don't want anybody telling you you can't. For you to make that the truth by personalizing it as my truth versus your truth is the height of foolishness. You simply don't understand. You don't have enough maturity, wisdom, understanding to have an opinion about and to personalize truth for yourself. All you're saying is, this is what I choose. Now go ahead and say that. Don't quote it, don't, don't frame it as if somehow that becomes truth. But that's the drift to which we have come today truth as personalized. Why is this important? It's important in the understanding of this scripture. He was granted power 
to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and so on. Now, again, I shake my head when I think about the foolishness associated with biblical interpretation, how religions, the Baptists, the Church of Christ, Methodists, Christian religion has so domesticated truth. They've made truth something that does not require the Spirit of God, but your good mind or your reasonable mind. Now here's here's why and here's, here's an example of how you fall into the ditch personalizing truth to your, spe- to your specs. He was given power to give breath. That's the word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. He was given power to give breath to the image of the beast. That the image, the icon of the beast should speak. Now, What does it mean to give breath to the image of the beast? Especially when the term breath is the word spirit. Spirit. If the image in question were a physical construct, you fashioned it like Nebuchadnezzar did uh, with his head of gold, or or, or an image of gold, entirely of gold, 60 cubits by 6 cubits, then you would need some form of uh, uh, mechanical way to produce sound, like an automatron. But since it's talking about the word breath, or since it's talking about the word spirit, We already know that humans can give breath to ideas or even to other spirits. Listen, the human being was constructed by God, the human being, the human body was constructed by God to receive and carry in it spirits. And I said spirits, plural. You didn't didn't fail to hear me. What are some of the spirits that may be in a human body? Because what I'm going to explain to you is how is this disembodied cosmos that is in fact the offspring of Satan, how does it speak? If it's not a physical entity, how does it speak? Because there's a spirit, Satan is a spirit. Like all angels, 
Hebrews chapter 1, all angels are ministering spirits. So I, I posit to you how this beast is given breath, how the spirit of Satan who gives his power, his throne and great authority to this beast of whom an image has been constructed and we've already touched that in the last broadcast. It's not a physical image created like Nebuchadnezzar created his image. This is an intellectual concept that has a spirit to it, a spirit that opposes Christ, a spirit rooted in lawlessness whose intent in its very being is to oppose Christ, oppose His dwelling place, oppose His name, oppose those who dwell in heaven and to wage war against the saints. So it's a spirit. The human body has been constructed to carry, to entertain, to port spirits, plural. So here are the spirits that may possess the human body. First and foremost, the human spirit itself. The human body is called his sar, S-A-R-X, or his flesh, or his soma, S-O-M-A, his body. And that there's a, there's a life in that body. So the human body may contain a life that is unique to the human body. And that life is his bios. So the study of which is his biology. And it concerns both the internal workings of that body and the external biosphere in which that body exists. Then the human has another component of being called a soul. That's his suke, P-S-E-U-C-H-E, his suke. And the life of the suke is where we get the term psychology. Just like we get the word bios, from the word bios we get the word biology, from the word suke we get the word psychology. And it's It's the life of the human soul. It's the thinking, it's the imagination, it's the creativity, it's the conceptualization. All of that happens within the soul. And the life of the soul is capable of that, of of sustaining creativity, etc., etc., all the things I just said. And then there's a life within Uh, there's the component of being, the third component of being called pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, and it means spirit. And it contains a spirit. The life of that spirit is called zoe. Zoe. That's why your spirit never dies because within the pneuma, The zoe is the sustaining life and it's not connected in any way uh, to this earth uh, for its rejuvenation, sustaining 
or for its understanding, for its perspectives or any of that. It directly connects to the mind of God. And so the life of the spirit man is connected to God and independent of any earthly form of sustenance or connectedness. Now, it is like Aaron's rod that budded, the the rod being by definition the portion of a tree being removed and yet it budded, meaning it did not derive its continued existence from a connection to a tree or to the earth, a type and shadow of the, uh, and picture of the spirit. So God put a spirit in man. So the human body, his bios, or rather his soma, can contain a spirit, his own spirit. And in fact, your body without your spirit is dead. But what other spirits may be contained within the human body? Well, the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, the Spirit of God is given to indwell you. That same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you when you are born again. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who gave Christ life from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies by His Spirit who dwells within you. So where does the Spirit of God, not your spirit, not your human spirit, which is a, a gift received from God, it's of the same kind and nature as God Himself in as much as its origin is from God. But then the Spirit of God may bear witness with that Spirit, may bear testimony. And there's a knowing within the being when the Spirit of God is in testimonial fellowship with the human spirit, there's a knowing within the human being that we have and are partakers of a divine nature and we have a different identity as defined by being partakers of a divine nature. Hmm? What is the, are there any other spirits that may possess a human body? In the Gospels we have several examples, the man in the country of Gadara for example, who was possessed of an evil spirit. In fact, the spirit said, we are legion for we are many. So the human being may be possessed not in his spirit but in his soul. This is where so many believers make mistakes. The evangelical church typically says a Christian cannot have a demon because, and it's pure reason, it's not revelation nor is it the truth, because the Holy Spirit dwelling in a person cannot be in fellowship with an evil spirit. Well, it's absolutely correct that the Holy Spirit does not dwell in the same place in a human being 
that an evil spirit may dwell. And in fact, no evil spirit would wish to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But that's not where the evil spirit dwells. He captures the emotions of the soul and dwells there. And that's why insanity was one of the behaviors of the man in the country of Gadara because it introduces a different mind. It captures the human mind, captures the mind of the soul and so radicalizes it that that soul is not in harmony with the mind of God operating in the human spirit. When you see such extremes, it is correct to recognize that such double-mindedness leading to instability is demonically controlled. Now, but it's important that you understand that God never has given permission to either an angel or a demon to possess a human body, to live in a human body. But whereas God didn't give that permission, humans by deception, like Adam, could give permission and ultimately even control of their bodies to an evil spirit. You will never find an angel living in a person. The reason is angels, the presumption associated with angels versus demons is angels have continued to be subject to and servants of God, subject to God and servants of God. God will never give an angel permission to live in a human being. There is no requirement that an angel live in a human being because no angel is supposed to control a human being. A demon on the other hand wishes to control the emotions of the soul and thereby control human behavior. So yes, a soul may be given over to a demonic spirit. Jesus said on one occasion, He looked at Peter and He said to Peter, Peter was standing there and yet Jesus said to him, Get thee behind me, Satan. Why? Because in that moment, Peter was not speaking as an expression of his own independent thought. His soul had been co-opted by Satan, so much so that his voice was used by Satan and Jesus, recognizing that, addressed the demon directly and said, he didn't say, get thee behind me, Peter. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. What is my point? My point is, who gives breath to the image of the beast? What does it mean to give breath to the image of the beast? It means that Satan so thoroughly possesses this king, this lawless one, who is a person, but embodies in its entirety and without reservation in the same way that Christ embodied the fullness of the Godhead and spoke nothing of His own but spoke and acted 
only as he, as he heard and saw the Father speaking and acting. You have a type here. He's the anti-type. He's the anti-Christ in that his body is fully available and so is his mouth because his soul has been thoroughly co-opted by the evil one. He is the one whose presence, whose body carries the presence of Satan and all that is in the cosmos, the world and all that is in it, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. He embodies all of that and legitimizes it in a way that persuades everybody who dwells on the earth, including the church that has fallen away, he persuades them to worship the beast. He is the one and it's his breath that gives power to the beast to speak. He doesn't need a construct of an image like Nebuchadnezzar out of which to speak. This is not an automatron, this is a human being, a human being, this other king that arose after the ten who speaks blasphemies against the Most High. It's his breath that is the breath of the beast. I'm Sam Solon, we'll continue to to forensically uh, examine these matters to in a in a uh, archaeological fashion dig up the bones dig up the hidden structures and lay it out for all to see it's imperative in this hour to have the truth otherwise you're going to be deceived and many already have been but you do not need to be numbered amongst them. I'm Sam Solon, we'll talk again soon. Bye-bye.